Welcome to the Here to Be podcast, a show that gives you full permission to be, to just be you. I'm your host, Megan, a trauma-informed breathwork facilitator and embodiment coach, empowering you to stop looking outside of yourself for the answers and to lead from your inner wisdom. We're going to get real, we're going to get raw, and probably a little woo-woo. I'm so glad you're here to come with. Welcome back. Thank you so much for being here and being a part of the Here to Be podcast. Today, I got the pleasure of sitting down and speaking to my guest, Sharif. And it's been really interesting to be, it's interesting and an honor to witness Sharif on her journey. Sharice just completed her breathwork certification. And as she walked through that, getting to see her growth and her expansion and just really step into the spaces that she stepped into and then to really sit down and chat all about it today. I think one of my favorite parts of the conversation that we we dove into was remembering what it is like to be in the beginning stages of any journey, right? Whether it's healing, whether it's learning something new and in talking to somebody in that space, not talking to somebody in a way that you're 15, 10, 20, a hundred steps ahead, but it's how can we gather the things that we've learned and the ways that we've grown and then share that into somebody else, speak that into somebody else. And it, Sharice does this so beautifully. We have very honest conversations about what it is like to start to establish safety within yourself. What was it like for Sharice when she was asked that question and she had to be really honest with herself and say, I don't even, I, I don't know what that means. And from going from, I don't know what that means to holding spaces so others can find that within themselves. I've had the pleasure of not only witnessing Sharice and her journey, but being held and supported by her. And she just has so many, so many magical gifts and getting to hear her and just re-listen to her words and feel into her energy is such a blessing. And I can't wait for all of you you have the same feeling that I do right now. So sit back and open up your ears and open up your hearts and enjoy. I always love for everyone to share what feels good to share about yourself, not necessarily meaning sometimes it's like, hey, who are you? And that feels like such a loaded question, but just to share, I, I don't know, but this is what I feel called to share about me today. Yeah. The who are you kind of changes all the time. And mm-hmm. that's something beautiful I think about the human experiences that we're constantly growing and evolving. Um, my name's Sharice. I'm up in Canada. I have been a registered massage therapist for 14 years working with the body. Um, now breathwork facilitator and Reiki practitioner. Um, I started kind of with this overall presence of just learning and understanding the body as a physical form, but knowing that there was so much more as mental, emotional, and spiritual, and how that can get lost in forms of therapy because we kind of tunnel vision. So I believe in wellness from a holistic approach and knowing that our body stores a lot of trauma 
and we can't just treat it physically. We have to treat it on a deeper level. Mm. And I've, I've been so fortunate to actually get to experience Sharice's magic. Uh, she has breathed me and it's kind of been a hybrid of breath work and Reiki. And I can just really speak into, and I think that's why I'm so, one of the many reasons why I'm so drawn to what you do and how you do it is it's really this invitation to look at all of our pieces instead of just hyper-focusing on, I think, you know, you spoke into that with massage therapy. It's I can continue to go for the spot on my shoulder that has been a pain in my, in my body for years, as long as I can remember. But until we really start to address why this is happening, what is the emotional energetic connection to that? It's going to continue to be there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. We, we get really good at like our, our, our brains are such amazing defense mechanisms. They're always trying to keep us from, you know, the tough things. And so we tend to categorize and put things in a box and put them away on a shelf and don't look at them because they're deep and they're dark and they're a little bit painful. But because of that, we kind of break ourselves into these pieces. And most of the time, unconsciously, many of us don't even know those parts of us and which parts are acting out and which parts are are being submissive and all this kind of things. And once you really start to look and accept all those pieces of you, you can find that kind of fullness and authenticity that is your own, which is something that has been a really big journey about for me is just coming back to what is my truth? Who am I in this moment right now? Without the stories, without the conditioning, without all the things that we kind of carry forward with us, right? Mm -hmm. And it's those fragmented parts too, that keep us from living our full human experience before we hit record. We were talking a little bit about that, but it is when we live in a part, when we live in fragmented parts, it is numbing our ability to experience life at its fullest capacity. And that means the heavy and hard stuff. But more often in my experience and with those that I get to hold, it's missing out on the fullest experience of love, of joy, of bliss, of just being here. Be a presence is another one you had named earlier too. Yeah, it really does keep us from the present moment if we're constantly acting on these parts of us that are sometimes um, related to our past and our childhood and the way that we've grown up or our fear of the future and what's to come. We're constantly vying between this past and this present and dancing back and forth instead of finding that acceptance, that appreciation for the present moment. Mm -hmm. Which feels terrifying and feels like something that everyone tells us that we're supposed to do. But that is one of my biggest frustrations when I listen to someone speak or listen to a podcast or read, read or do any of this work. It's like, that's great that someone can tell me the shiny answer of, we just have to live in the present moment. But what are, what is step one of that? What is step two of that? What is step five, wherever you're kind of at, but I'm always like, cool. And what do you, how does that happen? Yeah. It's kind of like that same, like, in order to find love, you have to love yourself first. Yeah. And if you've grown up in a world where it looked really chaotic, your form of love has been closer to abuse than love. Like you don't even know what that self-love is. So it's such a daunting task 
to sit there and say, well, you just got to love yourself. Right. And I don't know how many times I'm like, Hey, that's it. I give up. Like, Mm -hmm. (laughs) am I ever going to get there? I don't know. Right. Yeah. I was listening to someone speak last night. Um, and there was a question that came up about, you know, how do you start listening to your body or feeling in your body or, you know, whatever it was, or how are you starting to honor and be in your body? If you've never been there, if it's never, or historically, or maybe for an extended period of time, it hasn't been a safe space. And the answer that was given was really great, but it was also really flowery. It was like, you just trust and you honor and you start turning, you start listening. I was like, that's so cool. If you're, but if you don't know that, you don't know that. So it's like, that's a very pretty answer, but you're skipping 15 steps or more than 15 steps to get to a space where you can hear what your body's sharing with you. Yes, we know we get to hear and honor, but how do you start to hear your body? How do you start to listen or feel your body? Mm-hmm. And it's still that same, like, like I'm still discovering new layers that I'm like, oh, I haven't even really del- dove into this. But it's when we started, like I started the pause breathwork facilitation program, the one thing I remember breathing into different sensations in our body. And I was always frustrated whenever we did those because I didn't feel anything, but I knew in my rational mind what I should be feeling. So I was kind of like, okay, like, cause I've always thought and I can present with really great self-awareness, but can I actually feel those sensations? Can I embody those sensations? And I found it interesting because the one that sparked the most anxiety for me was when we were breathing into where safe feels in our body. Mm-hmm. And I panicked because I could not find safe. And um, Sam had guided us into thinking of a moment in our childhood where we found where we felt safe, but I couldn't even find that. And so that was a, a crazy experience because now all of a sudden, admitting to myself that truth that I didn't know what safe felt like, which kind of unraveled all of my relationships and everything in that aspect. And then I was like, okay, well, how do I teach my body what safe feels like, even though I don't know what it feels like? And so I just kind of started asking myself questions like that. For me, my path is just man, like finding a question, uncovering a truth, being radically honest with myself with that truth, and then asking myself a question. And I start to slowly unravel that question and start to feel it. When you ask yourself, I love this because this is exactly what I was wanting the discussion to happen yesterday when I was listening to that person speak was let's, let's scale back. And I think that this is the beginning part of it because that was, it mirrored your journey so much. And I remember this conversation a handful of months ago too. It was like, yeah, I can rationalize. I can, I can make up in my brain what that would feel like, but if I'm really being honest, I don't know what that would feel like. And so Sharice, when you start to ask yourself a question like that, how do you discern like taking it back even one step more, how do you discern what is a truth and what isn't a truth? Mm-hmm. Or for you, um, I'll say because it's going to be different for others, but for you, how did you discern that? It is different for everybody, I think. But for me, there's a difference between a rational thought and a knowing. In a knowing, I can actually just know it as truth. 
Like it just feels like this is indisputable for me. Mm-hmm. And it's like, this is the knowing of it. Whereas if I'm in my brain and rationalizing things, then I can talk myself into both sides. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it was just kind of that, you know, it's always that check-in and come back to myself and being like, okay, what is safe? Well, I don't really know what safe is, right? So it's just that, and it takes a long time because I think we get really conditioned to lie to ourselves. Yeah. We get conditioned as children to bypass our own natural boundaries, our own safety systems. And then we carry that through as adults. Like how many times you walk into a room and somebody says, how are you? And you say, good, mm-hmm. right? And good is like kind of the cover up because you don't want to be a burden on anybody. You don't, and we lie to ourselves that we're good, we're good, we're good until we're not good. Yeah. Yeah. And I think coming back to that, like I've committed like truth and honesty are like two of my huge, huge values. And so for me to live a life of integrity, I have to commit to telling the truth and to be honest, both with others and myself. Mm -hmm. Sometimes that's really scary. (laughs) Sometimes a lot of times that's really scary because it makes us one, it has to shine a light on a reality a truth full space. And two, for me, it's a lot of having to show up and be vulnerable. If I can use this, if I can use the pass card of I'm good, I don't have to disclose why I'm not good. Not that I would ever have to disclose why I'm not good. Like I never have to expand onto it, but that opens up a little bit of a window for somebody to ask why, or for me to, to share a little bit more. And then I have to admit to myself, oh, I'm not. And I have to let other people know that I'm not too. So then I can create a whole story in my head of if I'm not okay, that means something about me. I'm always the person that holds it. I'm always the person that carries it. Like, I'm good. I got it figured out. It's great. And it's not always. No, it's, it's funny because it's a lot of people have told me how strong I am my whole entire life because I have been the person that just holds it. I don't have, I've like never really found um, <clears throat> people to hold me safely in that space from the time I was a kid. So I just learned how to hold it myself. Yeah. And when you come through that learning, like, I totally lost my train of thought. <laughs> no, but I think when you're totally, when, when the, especially as a kid, when you're constantly told you're so strong, you've got this, you're always the dependable one, right? When that, that becomes all right for me anyway, that became an identity. Well, of course I am. Yeah. But it also, it, there's, you, you create that duality too, that split in you because everybody's telling you you're so strong, but inside you feel like a bag of mush and you're ready to like, just break down and call it quits and be like, I'm not, I'm not ready to do this anymore. Like, and there's been so many moments. I, in fact, I celebrate now when I ever, whenever I'm like, I'm done, I'm out, I'm quitting because I know that that's my next level, but it is, it's such a conflict because it's like the world sees me as strong but in, in the inside, I feel like a total lie and a total fraud and a total phony. Mm-hmm. It's reverse imposter syndrome almost. The whole world views it as one way, but I'm feeling something different. So that means that I'm not worthy and deserving of feeling what I'm feeling because there's something wrong with me that I'm feeling this way. If everyone else is telling me this, if everyone else is seeing this in me and I'm feeling something different, then there is a flaw within me not in the projection that everybody's 
putting on me or that I'm taking from everyone else. Mm -hmm. We also have a warped sense, I think, of what strong actually is, right? Strong is somebody that's solid and and rock solid and nothing can touch them, nothing can Mm -hmm. hurt them, right? But again, that shields us from really feeling and really experiencing, right? I've been that person that has been shut down, disconnected, where nothing really got to me, but it was all kind of getting to me. It just never really moved through me. Mm -hmm. And it's like, it takes a certain strength to be honest. It takes a certain strength to be vulnerable, even with yourself, right? Like just admitting to the fact that I didn't feel safe. It took that strength just to say that and then to start to dive into it, right? And unravel, why don't I feel safe? Why has my world looked not safe for most of my life? And that's coming back to asking yourself some really hard questions and being radically honest mm-hmm. with self and, and admitting that or sharing that. Yeah. And it it's taken some some courage to look at things that are typically taboo in this world, right? Like to look at abuse, to look at um, neglect, to look at emotional, emotional, emotionally distant, like all those kind of things that like we kind of shove under the rug and we ignore, right? As we're walking down the sideway and we sweep it under the rug, we don't talk about it unless it's in extreme circumstances. But you know, abuse happens every single day on like minor, minor levels. And we don't look at it. In fact, most of the time we look away because it makes us uncomfortable. And so it's like bringing those things to light and honoring those truths actually allows you to like, look at that little kid who you were and been like, yeah, she didn't deserve that. Mm -hmm. And begin to reparent her. And that's the distancing of it too. When it's not, when, when something other than an extreme case is openly talked about or shared, then we start to widen a gap of what well, I'm not deserving and worthy of feeling any such way about what I experienced because it wasn't at the level that somebody else experienced. Mm-hmm. And if it wasn't at that level, then really even did I have that or like, was it what I deemed it to be? Was it abuse? Was it neglect? Was it X, whatever, you know, whatever that thing is that we're putting this hierarchy of, of traumas or experiencing of, and then it's like, well, why did this even, again, it's kind of, it's allowing this space to come back in and put blame on self or to, to take away our right, our sovereignty to feel whatever way we feel about whatever our experience was. It's not somebody else's to judge or to say, and it's not ours to judge against somebody else's. Mm -hmm. I, I mean, I've, I've had that experience personally, right. With, um, when my marriage was coming to an end, it was the same kind of thing where, my friend who had been in an 18 year, extremely abusive relationship kind of said to me, she's like, hey, do you, like, she was very gentle and very sweet with it. And I was like, no, because I did, I would refuse to look at it because there was such extreme cases. So it couldn't possibly be the same in my case Mm -hmm. because obviously, you know, I'm making it up. I'm not, you know, it's, it's totally, totally fine and all this kind of stuff which kept me there for a long time and it wasn't until I actually admitted the truth to myself where I was like yeah no I am like ending and things aren't okay 
and it's like we just yeah we dismiss it right it's I remember you know most often people have heard as kids right finish the food that you're on that's on your plate because somebody's starving like in another part of the world and so it's like you you learn how to invalidate what it is that you're feeling yeah because you're like well there's somebody that's got it worse than me Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and I know I know when we were talking as we started to we talked about your ability or the, the, the way that you've been able to hide behind this story of okayness and really just live under a veil of it's great. This is what the outside world sees. And this is what I see. And so walking through that process a little bit, did, did the shift in that of allowing truth to come forward, did it start with those honest questions and if so, then where do you go from there? Because it's one thing to be honest with self, but it's a whole other ballgame to have to be honest with somebody outside of self. Mm -hmm. um, it's only just recently because I've, I've been through some counseling and stuff and I walked away always frustrated whenever I was at a counselor, um, whenever I was trying to seek help because as somebody who hasn't really had somebody hold her in that space that allowed me to be vulnerable in, I always kind of had to present this like pretty little gift wrapped package to people about, okay, this is how much trauma I think you can handle. This is how much of me I think you can handle. Um, because part of my wounding was so scared that like somebody couldn't hold space for all of me. And so if I presented, I'd be instantly too much. And I needed a counselor that like when I was looking for it, I would need a counselor that was able to look through and dive deeper past that like pretty little gift wrapped story that I could tell that was emotionally disconnected and allow me to dive deeper in. And I couldn't find that. And so it was really frustrating for me. And it's only been really recently where I'm starting to like, oh, that was actually on me because <laughs> I can, you know, rationalize and cognize and I've gotten really good at sharing our story, right? We're all really, really good at sharing our story. And I, one of the things that um, frustrates me is seeing like that, if you can say your story without crying, then you know you've healed. And I'm like, no, that just means that, <laughs> like, to me, I'm like, that just means I've disconnected from that story. Like, mm -hmm. I my defense mechanism is to disassociate so it's like I know that I've healed when I can actually feel the emotions that I felt at that time without letting them take me over and grip me and pull me in but oh yeah I did feel fear oh yes I did feel sadness oh yes that was painful and allowing it to move through I think that's when we truly heal oh <sighs> Yeah, I just want to come back to that and like reiterate all of that because there's the way you spoke into that, Sharice, is so concise. And so I think what so many people are seeking from, it's not a, it, when we choose to heal from whatever it is that we're, we're working through, it's not a, this doesn't impact me any longer. I wish that so badly to be true. I wish that so bad that it didn't affect me. It didn't have an emotion that like I was just so disconnected. But that is just furthering the actual part of healing. What you spoke into of that is, no, it's me feeling it and allowing myself to feel the full depth of it 
But now coming from a present, come back to like the whole start of this conversation, coming back from feeling that from a present grounded and supported either co-regulated or self-regulated space, I can feel the depth of that emotion, but it doesn't pull me so far back into the experience that I can't get back into present moment again. Mm -hmm. And if it is pulling me into that, then knowing that's my wall of stop for right now. And to go back and revisit that when I can push that tolerance out a little bit more and then come back into center, come back into a grounded present space. Yeah, it's taken me, it's giving yourself, I think, the gift to take your time, right? And to allow it to, because I was kind of like that, let's go, let's go, like, give me my lessons, let me move through this. Like, I, and it created a lot of awareness. Like, I am deeply, deeply aware of all of my wounding, but can I integrate it? Can I allow it to, like, no longer take me over? I still haven't gotten there yet. Mm-hmm. And that's because I was like, okay, yeah, I've learned this. I'm going to keep going. Oh yeah. And I've never actually stopped to be present with it and to allow it sit in my system and just take that part of me that I had like walled off and taking down the walls and allowing it to enmesh back in with me and integrate with my wholeness. Yeah. And, and you know, from, from an outside perspective looking in and you can definitely correct me if this isn't right or add to it, if there's more into it, but witnessing a part of your journey, right? Like you, you had said, you know, it was on me that the counselors weren't working. It was like realizing what part I played in that. And I do think that there are some counselors that are fantastic. And I do think that are some that probably just couldn't hold you in that space. It's kind of a reflection of them as well. But I love that you, of course, like look at that and examine, like, where can I take my part and responsibility from that? But that also shows to me the level of work that you had done to and for yourself, not on a solo mission, still having support, but just looking like that in a different way, right? There was still co-regulation in that. And then being able to see, oh, this is where maybe it got disjointed in other attempts. Let's try a different attempt. But then having the discernment to say, Mm, this is me walling off and not choosing to hold, share the whole story, or I can feel somebody's ability to hold that. And that doesn't feel good to my system. That's maybe not the person for me either. Mm-hmm. And I think bringing that back to finding safety and trust in myself has been a really key piece to that is like, once I started to dive into safety, I could actually realize like when I talk to somebody, whether or not they have the capacity to hold space for me and, you know, they don't always, and that's okay because that's just, I need to redirect, right? There, there are some counselors out there who, I'm, who haven't fully experienced trauma at a, a deep enough level to understand. Like there's a difference between, I think, book smart and lived smart and that, that lived experience, that deep experience. I mean, <laughs> it's like I, my counselor said to me, he's like, you should be a counselor because of the experiences that I've lived. But I actually have zero desire to go into talk therapy. <laughs> well, and also let's say that's not just, we're not just honing in on, we've talked specifically about counseling or therapy or that, but that also, I'm going to say that's to any facilitator. 
that's to any practitioner. That's to anybody that is holding a container for you. It's, it's those same questions and those, those same examinations. Maybe for the longest time you could read energy that didn't feel safe, but it also wasn't felt in self. So, okay, let's do what, do my part in it. And then I can discern that with other people. Can you, and we don't have to use this if this isn't an, if this is an edge, but when you were asked, you know, go back to childhood and think of something that made you feel safe. And that realization of, uh, I got nothing here. Like Mm -hmm. that isn't from that space. What then were you able to do to start to find safety or to even recognize what that could be? And like really from a somatic or from an embodied space, not from a I guess rationally, I should probably, it should feel or look like this. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, understanding our nervous system is such a, a fantastic piece. So I think when I started to actually ask myself that question, there, I have experienced and lived experience to call on that was like, okay, this doesn't feel safe to me. Mm-hmm. So I knew what didn't feel safe to me. And then I started asking myself, what what if like would this feel safe to me what if you know and starting to piece together a little bit of the puzzle and I think that's it's a big leap and I Gabrielle Bernstein talks about this is she's like if you can't feel like love then find a find an okay like find the next best thing that would be better than where you're at and so I think that's a huge piece to start is like, yes, it seems daunting when you're like, I want to be able to experience joy and ecstasy and love and gratitude and, and really fully embody it and not just say, say it. Mm-hmm. But that feels really far away from where you're at now. And so I don't know about you, but like, if I can't get there, I'm like, oh, well, I'll just give up. Yeah. Okay? Yeah. So breaking it down and being like, well, what would be the next best thing? So instead of, I'll use the example for me, um, I get really envious of the people that can cry tears of joy. I don't know that feeling. I've never been so overwhelmed with joy and love and happiness that I've cried. So that it's frustrating in, in me and I'm very envious when I see people. So what I started to reach for is, okay, can I find calm? Can I find peace? Like, what would my system feel like if it wasn't on alert all the time? And now I'm kind of starting to experience a lot more of that calm, regulated, peaceful state where I can slowly start to feel comfortable in the present. And then I've found that brings in a little bit more feelings of gratitude and a little bit more feelings of love. And I've still got a ways to go, but peace and calm was easier for me to find than love, joy, ecstasy, gratitude. It's the step process of that. It's, it's, it's the titration of that. It's the, I love that moving to the next best feeling or the next, the next, not even best. When we even say best, what is the next closest feeling? That's just one emotional charge up from where you are at right now one Mm -hmm. emotional ring up from where you are at right now. 
it's uh, we do like as a massage therapist when I'm guiding people into stretches it's the same thing like most people overstretch they go too hard and their body their nervous system actually pulls them back that's when their muscle shakes that's their nervous system trying to contract so that does the opposite of what the stretch is supposed to do right so I always say find the edge find that resistance and then come back a little bit so that you that's where you'll feel comfortable. And what you'll find is the muscle starts to relax a little bit slow, uh, starts to relax easier because it's safe. It's not fear of being hurt or injured. And then you can go deeper into that stretch. And it's, I believe it's the same with everything with our, our nervous system in general governs our physical, mental, and emotional body. And so if we can find that edge, that slight zone where we're uncomfortable with and come back just a little bit, then we'll soften, feel safe, and then move into it a little bit more. Yes. I love that. I love that. It's the, it's the gentleness of healing that I think is often overpassed and, and bypassed because I don't want it to take time. I don't want it to, to be gentle. I want it to be over as if it's ever really, really over. I want it to be done as if it's ever really, really done and just move on to the next thing. Because again, I can't be in presence. So I just need to move to whatever is next after this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah the journey I think for healing is so much more sweet and so much more slow. And it can be done in a way that our body feels safe and our nervous system feels safe. Do it instead of hammering through our lessons which just creates like I did it tried to do it for years I mean I was a sports player growing up no pain no gain Mm -hmm. right and I have had a lot of pain (laughs) Mm -hmm. it made things probably way harder than they needed to be yeah yeah I love that I've, I've been sharing a lot there um with several of my students, kind of what my journey with breath work had looked like. And I think that's my, that was my biggest takeaway. And my biggest realization as I've shared it is I don't believe that we have to traumatize in the name of trauma healing or, or activate in the name of healing. Not that we can't be, not that we don't get uncomfortable and not that it isn't an edge, but I don't believe we have to be in one extreme to have this outcome. I think that's an outdated way of thinking and being. And thankfully, more people like you, Sharice, are opening up to that and are speaking to that and are sharing that and are proving that, not just speaking it, but living it in being the walking embodiment of what that looks like and, and talking openly and honestly about that path. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's such a, it, it's, it's a really daunting task. I actually said to my sister, because she just had a brand new baby. She's got three little ones now. And I, I said, she's like, it's just so hard. And I'm like, I know. And I said, you know why it's hard? It's because we're trying to reparent ourselves while parenting little ones right now. And I said, that is a task in itself because it just reparenting yourself and reprogramming yourself is, is hard. But then when you have little ones around, it's way more difficult Mm -hmm. but the beauty part of this journey is I found the more that I can find that safety find that calm find that regulation in myself the more my kids because they co-regulate from us and the more my kids settle and they more they feel present they're not on alert all the time because mom's not on alert yeah right and so it's 
that gift of grace, knowing, hey, we've never experienced this before. And we didn't come from the best background or whatever. And they did, don't get me wrong, our parents did all the best that they could at the time. And there's no, like, like that's a that's a process of forgiveness in itself. But mm-hmm. um, it's also, it is on us. And it's a really, really tough part. But I know, like my dad said, he's like, your generation is so much more trauma-informed than we ever were. Yeah. And I'm like, yes, because we now recognize that trauma isn't just the big with a capital T, it's also the little traumas that happen on a daily basis. Yeah. Oof. I love this so much. And I just, again, I just appreciate so deeply being able to have a conversation that is very real and that isn't, that's coming from a view of, Hey, I walked this and this is how I started walking this, not, Hey, this is where I'm at. Catch up to me here. That just never feels good to me. Um, at all. So I just appreciate it. And Sharice, if people would like to find you, where would be the best places? It will be listed in the show notes, but I would, I would like you to share too. Yeah. Um, I think the easiest way to follow me, um, and I'm working on being more present with that, but is on Instagram. Um, I've done a whole lot of redirecting in the last little while, and I'm still in the process of finding my zone but definitely it's there um it's available and I yeah I'm like send me messages and follow me but that's probably the easiest way right now perfect that will be linked up in there so we can connect there and I just thank you so much for for being you and what you do and how you do it and the way that you speak life and hopefulness and reality into others. Thank you. We are both human and spirit and we are spirit having a human experience. So our purpose is just to live. Thank you so much for being here and for listening. I cannot tell you enough how grateful I am for you and that you get to be on this journey with me and we're here together on this wild, this wild ride. If there's something in this episode that landed with you, share it on Instagram, share it with a friend, tag me in. And I want to know, I want to hear about it. I love in the ways that we get to connect. And if you feel called, you can head over and rate and review this podcast. It helps us to grow and share and have other like-minded souls join this community and rise together. Sending you light and love always.